Welcome back to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. And I am Rob. It is 2022 and we are back in the studio after a little Sabbath rest. The holidays, how were, how, how were your holidays? Boing. It's favorite part of the jingle right there. Wow, I'm kind of tired actually of talking about the holidays. Oh, okay. Isn't that what you normally do, right? How are your holidays? Yes, that is what you normally do. You know, how, I mean, again, it's just like, I had a great holiday. It was nice to be able to have extended time with family. Both the girls were in town. Um, We got to stay home, so it was close to home. Quality time with the dog. Odin had a, he had a great Christmas as well. Ardman, Emma's dog, was, I was home. I was going to say, I thought Ardman was in there too. The two dogs got along. That that helped. But it is, uh, we're back. We we did as a pre-recording. We always spend time with me being the DJ, and we went back to Welcome Back Carter. Yes. So get that. Old school. Get that tune in your little, welcome back. <laughs> I mean, that was a favorite show of mine. I mean, I'm 56. That was, that was real sitcom for me. Vinny, Vinny, I don't know. Baba Louie. <laughs> I, I can't, too many dead brain cells for me to go all the way back. Well, we, we are coming out of group supervision and clinical, so that, that takes a lot of brain cells. It does. We <laughs> normally say things like, I've used all my words today, <laughs> you know, but no, it is, it's, we've been chomping at the bit to come back to this conversation coming back to the microphone here in Rob's office at the response care center and laying down another track. (laughs) Right. Totally. And and how are we going to open up 2022's series of podcasts, Dr. Rob? Well, I think we're going to talk about emotions, aren't we? Feelings. Yeah. Emotions for sure. I've got a lot of them. Yes. And uh, the chiefs barely won last night. Today we're recording this on Sunday. Um, we're right in the middle of week 18. Yeah. Um, I think if I looked at my ESPN app um, real quickly, I can check and see what the Lions did. Wow. They won. Oh, 37-30. Wow. That means they won three times this year. Okay. I'm seriously. Season. If you're listening in right now, I'm actually looking at the updated you know, ESPN app and the Lions pulled it off against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers didn't play, right? I don't care. Just so they beat the Packers. Maybe I'm not seeing this right, but that's amazing. But anyways, yeah, I was watching Kansas City last night and they weren't playing great uh, football. I'm from Kansas City. If those of you who are listening don't know where I'm from, the Titans barely beat the Texans. If the Titans would have lost, it would have given Kansas City a, a first seed home field advantage. So, too bad the Titans won, but so is life. Yes, it is. And the way Kansas City played last night, they have a long way to go no matter where they're playing. The way they played last night, they're fortunate to walk out of there with a win. Exactly. So, obviously, after the completion of the Lions game um, against the, the Packers at Detroit, a lot of emotions flowing. I was just thinking that. Good feelings flowing. Great for their head coach. I really, everybody kind of likes seeing the camaraderie of the team rallying yeah. around the coach. It's 
It's uh, I'm a Kansas City fan. I'm not really a Detroit Lions fan, but that's okay. Well, I mean, Detroit Lions fan is kind of an exclusive club. There's, what, five or six of them? No, it's a big fan club. <laughs> it's for real. I mean, when people wear, like, a Lions hoodie or something, I mean, I pay respect to them. They're They're the real deal. Yeah, they are the real deal. Hey, now listen, I'm from Kansas City. We spent... A long time since like 1967 to get back to Super Bowl contention, you know, two years ago with Patrick Mahomes. Got toasted last year by Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. Yes. But wait a minute. This is not a The sports cast. This is not a sports <laughs> podcast. Let's get back grounded. So today we're going to be um, discussing, having a mindful conversation about emotions. So how do you want to open this up? What about if we start broad and just say emotions are an important part of our basic equipment as humans? Yeah. You know, for knowing and experiencing the world. Yeah. I would uh, say that would be true. And they provide uh, important information mm-hmm. about others and about self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, emotions, oftentimes people say that emotion comes from the heart yes right we often speak from the gut yeah which is not an accurate it's not inaccurate to say that but really emotions you know their origin is in the brain yeah the limbic system the amygdala the seed of emotions yeah in fact in addictions with alcohol uh, sometimes they'll refer to I think it's true for all addictions, but definitely with alcoholism is it's the disease of the emotion. Right. So it, it, you know, we use drugs to manipulate our emotion. We use experiences, processed addictions, sex, gambling to manipulate our emotions. And when I, when I think about the whole person, I mean, the whole person is physical, emotional, spiritual, mm-hmm. Right. Um, the reality is the emotions do come from the brain. Yeah. So if you talk about the limbic system or you talk about the amygdala or you talk about the hypothalamus, you talk about the brainstem. Yeah. We've talked about that in previous episodes, but it's important to realize that when I'm thinking of my own emotion, it's coming from my brain. Yeah. The body is involved in emotions to your point. So you feel certain things in your stomach. You get sick to your stomach or what have you. So when I think of emotion, I'm with you. I think of the totality, how we act, think, and feel. That your whole person is involved. And healthy emotional relationship or maturity is how we act, think, and feel is synchronized in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And synchronizing, I mean, everything is connected. It may not be synchronized. Yes, it's definitely connected. But the idea to be able to accept that emotion is part of my creation is important. Yeah. So I don't have any science in front of me, but how do people generally view emotion? That depends on the discipline. So different disciplines look at emotions from different lenses. Um, And so defining emotion and in this context you would have to look at psychology anthropology sociology 
they can all kind of look at it from a different angle, if you will. Culturally speaking, emotions are expressed expressed differently too. There's some cultures that are very subdued with their emotions. Typically, the Dutch get labeled as that way. Then there are other cultures that are far more expressive with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that in some types of Latino and, um, you know, African tribes or along those lines. So again, to answer your question, it kind of really depends on what discipline you're looking at as to how you define emotion. Okay. I think of it in terms of psychological, which there is both a cognitive and a physiological component to how we experience emotion or feelings. Does thought come before emotion or emotion before thought? The literature makes a, it's such a quick distinction that you and I are not even generally aware of it. But if you believe some of the research of late, they would say thoughts come before emotion. Okay. And I see it kind of like a moot point because of the brain's capability and the way I experience it. I may notice my thought first or I may notice my emotion first. Yeah, and I don't know if science really has the neurology really nailed down. I think science is studying neurology. Tough organ to get Agreed. understanding. I think right. we have theory. Um, Daniel Goldberg, or Goldman, is the author of Emotional Intelligence. Yes. So we have the idea of emotional health, emotional intelligence, um, referring to a feeling and its distinctive thoughts. In the psychological and a biological state, Dr. Goldman would really tell us that there's a range of ability to be intelligent, to be knowledgeable, to be aware of. You know, to be smart is to validate, to be able to distinguish, to be able to say, no, I'm a full creation that has all of these attributes, including emotion. Right. And he's probably one of the more um, um, noted researchers in the area of emotion mm -hmm. and emotional intelligence, which I think is really, I mean, thank God for his contribution, you know. For sure. So um, anger, sadness, fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust, shame just some of the, the main categories of emotion. Like for anger, I could, I could go deeper and say fury, hostility, irritability, annoyance. Yeah, I think it's important in terms of emotional identification to recognize, and people debate about this, to recognize that feelings can be on a spectrum. You know, like sometimes people will think they have hundreds or thousands of different emotional responses. Well, Maybe it's a little bit like colors where you have five primary colors mm -hmm. and from those five, five primary colors, all these other colors evolve. That's so brilliant. <laughs> I don't know how brilliant it is. I don't even know if it's. No, real. I've never, I've never thought of it like that because you do have those five. Is it literally five? Primary? I think it is five primary, okay. maybe seven, but. But then you have so many 
the kaleidoscope of color that come from the combination of that, one or more of those. That's it. That's right. And so we'll hear people talk about, let's say, anger. Well, and I'll say, Matt, why are you so angry? Well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Yeah. Well, if on a spectrum, I would say frustration is a form of anger, maybe not as intense right. as rage. Right. You know? And so when we're talking about these emotions, it's also important to have an understanding of what to do with them. And that's where I think it gets kind of dicey for most of us. Well, we all, we've often referenced the concept of self-regulation, like emotion, emotional regulation. Yes. Is, so for some reason at times my, my lack of patience or I would guess my irritability that would fall under anger um, is triggered during driving events sometimes. Mine was today. We were coming down uh, M43 and the driver was driving 40 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. I and hate that. I, I wish I could have passed it. I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting angry. And mm-hmm. I don't normally feel that way, but I was in a hurry to get to the center. And um, Hey, you mentioned that you had lunch before. Had you eaten yet? No. So you were hangry. That's <laughs> totally possible. <laughs> You're right. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I ate breakfast this morning at like 8.30. And then I didn't eat my little Triscuits and cheese until about 4 o'clock. So that's a long way that to go. That is a long way to go. But thank God for cheese and for little mini wheat thins or whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah, because again, that that illustrates the interrelatedness or the connectedness. You know, if if I'm physically tired or hungry, it's going to affect my emotions, just like my emotions will affect my body. Yeah, those systems are connected. They are. I think of it too, you know, like a transmission or an engine or a drivetrain to a car or um, an orchestra. They're interrelated, but each each part, the brass have a certain responsibility, the uh, woodwinds and the strings and the percussion. And when they all play well, you have a masterpiece of music. When one section doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not so good. Yeah. When we're starting Grief Share at our church, good. so next Sunday... We launch it, and we've we've got um, kind of a full class. People dealing with the loss of a loved one. Not grief share is not for like the the loss of a of a marriage or the loss of a pet or the loss of a job. Those are real losses, and they need help. But the grief share program specifically is about the loss of a loved one. Yes, a spouse, a child, yeah. uh, a close relative, even a friend. Doesn't matter. And you're dealing predominantly with grief, the grief process. Yes. And so that falls under sadness. Yes. And when, so Dr. Rob, when, when people don't attend to their emotions well, like in grieving and they don't grieve well, what happens when you don't process loss and you don't really leave room for the emotions of sadness? I like what Dr. Jeannie Jensma, how she articulates it. 
And that is you tend to experience a pressure cooker effect. Mm -hmm. The emotions can build. Um, you lose and compromise your ability to assess a situation or situations relationally, uh, others or self, because you're ignoring or not dealing with those emotions. So you basically lose important information on self or others. Um, they also, it, when you don't grieve well or you're not dealing with emotions, and uh, a lot of the trauma research substantiates this, it tends to go into your body. And you experience physical tension or mental distress or spiritual distress. So those are some of the consequences of not processing or addressing emotion. And I would argue it's a lot like energy. You can't, you can't anesthetize, you can't rationalize, you can't ignore, you can't pretend, you can't substance abuse or sex or gamble your way out of dealing with difficult emotions. If you're going to be healthy, the approach that you have is to deal with them. In our group supervision today, we had a conversation regarding marriage and infidelity. Mm -hmm. And I think you, we were got to one specific point about when people get dead to their emotions, they start to lose sight of like how to feel. Yes. And we talked about the amygdala, you know, the yeah. sensor in the brain for fear. And sometimes when people aren't connected to their emotions, they do things that are extreme that create feeling. Oh, totally. Totally. They, their, their emotions are anesthetized or ignored. You don't have an understanding of why you're, to your point, why you're doing some of the things that you're doing. Yeah. So risky behavior becomes acceptable if it yields an experience. And what we're suggesting is emotions haven't been validated or processed. They've been blunted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, wrote this. When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. Yes. We transform slowly into an empty shell with smiley faces painted on them. Sad to say that this is much of the fruit of our culture today. But yet Pete says when he began to allow himself to feel the wide range of emotions, including sadness, depression, fear, anger, he experienced a revolution in his spirituality. Then soon he realized that a failure to appreciate the biblical place of feelings within his larger Christian life was done extreme damage, keeping an otherwise free person in Christ in slavery. Totally. It's a broken planet. So feelings like fear, grief, anger, um, shame and guilt, depression, those are sometimes referred to as the forbidden feelings. and But they're God-given feelings to help us deal with the brokenness of the planet. And one of the stark features of this planet's brokenness is loss. Yeah. Not yeah. just death, but disconnection. Yeah. Yep. And so... And so when you look at that, 
And you think about the fact that, you know, these are emotions that help bridge my psyche, my, my body, the totality of who I am. They help bridge the gap from the loss to wellness. And pain is not the enemy. The adversary is yeah. from a faith perspective. And so I agree with what he's saying. When you don't have access to these more difficult emotions, at some point it's going to create problems. And a lot of them. Yeah, as always, doesn't culture define for us what we should believe is true and right and acceptable? I think it I think it definitely has a loud voice. Whether that culture is a family system. Yeah. Or or whether it's a it's a workplace or the peer pressure of being, you know, elementary school, you know, boys don't cry. Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is we don't get trained, and of course, emotions aren't validated often in the cultures that we are raised in. How significant is that on today's adult who's now dealing with the the insensitivity of emotion? Yeah, and because we're, to your point, because we're not dealing with them, I don't feel comfortable when you have hard emotions. So my approach to you, culturally speaking, is to shut you down. Right. I don't want you to be depressed. I'm going to try and make you feel better. So let me do a magic trick. Right. Which doesn't work. Do you do magic? <laughs> no. You should. <laughs> I can see like cards, you know. Yeah. Nothing up my sleeve. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. Um, oftentimes I, I run into, of course, I, I as a counselor, I work with clients, you know, couples, et cetera, et cetera, and I often find the differences between them being very, very important. Some people are emotional. Some people are cognitive. Right. Some people are more feeling oriented. Some people are more thinking feeling or oriented. You had a, did you already differentiate between emotions and feelings? No. Um, some of the, some of the research does some say so like a, a definition of emotion is let's just simplify it and say it's physiological. It has that physiological component to it. Um, feelings do too, but emotion they see is more, more in terms of body sensation where feelings, uh, I, again, oversimplified, they would say is more cognitive. You're, you're, you're aware of your feelings theoretically. I genuinely think it's more of a false distinction because I see it as a both and, but the truth of the matter is, um, to your to your point, when you're talking about emotion or feelings, whether you define them differently or similarly, or you collect you put them all in one category like I tend to do, it doesn't change the outcome. Your whole body, your mind, your soul, your spirit are involved in experiencing these emotions. And to your earlier point, culture helps define that. Family of origins help define that. I think validation is the miracle drug for the human experience. In some real ways, yes. What I mean by that is validation in the sense of emotion, that in the family system, if we were growing up and we experienced, let's say, um, nervousness, anxiety about going to school, um, apprehension, 
if in my family system, those who I'm attached to, my primary caregiver, like parents, mm-hmm. if they are able to understand that emotional state of fear associated with, let's say, school, then I have then the same development of my appreciation of that emotion because of their influence. Exactly. You're not fighting against it. Part of a parent's job is to help identify, um, identify, actually, this is, this is what we should all be doing with our emotions, identify, respect, experience them, verbalize them and put them in perspective because emotions need to be put in perspective in your story. When the parent doesn't say, Oh, there's nothing to fear. That's devaluating. That's devaluing the emotion when they, when they acknowledge it, you know what? We can get through this fear. Yeah. We'll get through it together. This is how we're going to do it. That's a validation. Mm -hmm. But what we often do is because I don't want to feel what you're feeling is I minimize, rationalize, justify, or ignore your emotion or try to make you change. Right. But you have to identify, respect, experience, verbalize, and put them in perspective. Because not all emotions represent truth. For instance, I'll give you a story. When my daughter was growing up, she was a teenager, and I would say to her, you know, you're beautiful. Well, I don't feel very beautiful. Plus, you're my dad. You have to say that to me. Like, no, I don't. I think you're a beautiful young woman. I think you're a beautiful teenager. The fact that you don't feel beautiful doesn't necessarily make, you know, you're ugly true. It's just you don't feel pretty at that moment in time. Right. And feelings are not designed to be, they come and go. Yeah, absolutely. I think they can come very spontaneously based on what we perceive or what we experience in our everyday life. And that's what makes me nervous about the pursuit of happiness. Is happiness an emotion? Is it a feeling? Is it a destination? Is it a state of being? It seems to be more on the emotional side, and we're pursuing something that may or may not be very durable. So last night when I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs, I was watching it on a recording because we got home late. The game started at 4.30. Yes. And so I had pre-recorded it. So when I got home, I could I could sit down. I had kind of worked all day. Yeah. And I wanted to sit down and enjoy the game. And I love when it's recorded because I can fly through the commercials. Yeah, I like that too. And I got toward the end of the game and Kansas City was behind. Mm-hmm. And Denver was, it's a divisional, divisional rivalry, so it's always going to be a tough game. But Denver was once again driving effortlessly down the field (laughs) and I was irritated. Which one was that? Okay. (laughs) I was irritated. That's under anger. Yes. I hadn't gotten to sadness yet, but I was so PO'd (laughs) that I promised myself not to look at the app to find out what the final score is because where I was at in the recording timeline was the game had actually ended and I knew that. So what did I do? I'm going to put myself out of misery. Yes. I looked at the score, and guess what? Kansas City wins 28-24. Right. And guess what happened to my emotions? How did I feel? Yes, that's what I'm saying. They're <laughs> transient. They're, they're, there are some that are more durable, like when after a loss, you're grieving, and the, the wide 
But even in that context, the emotions are in, on a spectrum of intensity and coming and going, if you will. But you're right. So I went, I went from the, the anger, the irritability, and then I looked at the score. I still watched the same game, just knowing that they were going yep. to win. And then I, I experienced enjoyment. So relief, delight, thrill, euphoria, because I knew the end. And that is how you put that situation in perspective. You just illustrated putting, and look at how fast. My guess would be that you went from zero to 60 or from 60 to zero, whatever, in a blink of an eye. Oh, Once you knew the score and the outcome, you could settle down. I did. Yeah, that's perspective. Well, and this ties for me back to my self-care plan because I work Monday through Friday, and Saturday is always a day that I have to give myself for self-care. Yes. I agree. Preferably, preferably get out to Fort Custer and hike usually yeah. around seven miles just to be outdoors, to experience my senses, um, yes. you know, in the woods. And I didn't get that. I had to do a seminar yesterday from, I left the house at seven, drove to Fenton, you know, gave a seminar, came back home by four. So it was a full day. And then today was also full. I haven't had my Sabbath rest that fatigue is going to connect to my emotions. Exactly. But because I'm partially emotionally aware or intelligent, I know what I have to do for the rest of the day when I finish here. Yep. And I know what I need to do for the rest of the week. I'm in a deficit. Yes. And that deficit will lead to more vulnerability of emotions because the whole system is tied together. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am. And you're putting, that you've identified it. That's the key. You're respecting it. You're allowing like that. you're allowing those emotions to manipulate your behavior. That's a form of respect. You're not afraid of experiencing it. You understand. That's perspective, right? I like that. And you're verbalizing it. Those are the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that Dr. Jeannie Jensma talks about need to occur when you have these emotions. And the other thing too. This might sound like a sidebar, but for the people of faith, there is a disconnect, particularly in Western Christianity. We're supposed to think and act and not feel. When God made that holistic, we're integrated. And I would like uh, to put out there for mindful consideration the possibility that while God comes at us and fusses at us about thought, and he fusses at us about behavior. I don't think you can find one place in scripture where he judges people for emotion. Oh, that's good. The specific thought of him judging someone based on their emotion. Yeah. I don't see wow. God ever saying, don't feel that way. Um, he will confront us about our thought and cognitive distortions. He will definitely make a distinction about behavior, sin versus non-sinful behavior, and healthy versus unhealthy. But when it comes to emotion, even par powerful emotions like Elijah wanting to off himself and tired of the battle, God doesn't say, well, you shouldn't feel that way because of me. He says, why don't you eat and sleep? He didn't say suck it up, buttercup. No, he didn't say suck it up, buttercup. That's our... When we say that, I would argue that that is less about you and the emotions you're having and more about me and my discomfort with your emotion. 
Yeah. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Good. No, you're you're on a roll. <laughs> Not physically on a roll. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm saying like he got some momentum. You got the big mojo. <laughs> right. Okay. This is this is an emotion that I I want to explore. Shame. So guilt, remorse, humiliation, embarrassment, chagrin, shame. Yes. Is kind of a taboo word. I don't even like shame. No. But yet it's a powerful emotion. I make a distinction, like many I think do. Guilt is connected to something that I do. And guilt can be real or false. Shame is connected to I'm I'm, um, I'm defective. I'm defective. And that can be real or false too. So there is a healthy sense of shame that I should be feeling. But um, shame, shame generally in our world of mental health carries with it this strong theme of I am broken, I'm defective, and I can never be whole. Right. And that, to me, is not accurate. You can, you, you can be whole. Mm. You can be healthy. Okay, so if I hear you right, and if I connect back to my own understanding of shame and guilt... The reality is I may be responsible for a decision I've made that's brought harm maybe in a relationship. But if I am connected with my responsibility for that which has transpired, I can connect with what that means to me. Like I might deal with humiliation based on a choice I made. Or I might deal with remorse, you know. The reality is it's okay to feel those feelings as long as I retain my self-worth. Yeah, I, I would think of it like this if I understand what you're saying. The shame and guilt is authentic or true shame and guilt if there's a violation. Yeah. And if that shame and guilt forces me into a posture and an attitude to heal that violation or to fix that violation. If the shame just says I'm defective and I'm never any good. And that's that's negative. You know, um, you know, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I might as well eat worms or whatever. That's a distorted self. That's exactly right. And that shame is destructive and toxic. Yeah. Okay, last emotion, because we've run out of time, but the last emotion that I like to end on is enjoyment or joy. Or delight. Oh, delight's in this list, yeah. Thrill, euphoria, contentment. But the idea of delight, that I can delight myself in the midst of pain Mm -hmm. on this planet, the reality is to find, I love finding things I can delight in. Yeah. To delight as much as I don't like moving snow with my shovel, it is pretty when it's falling from the sky onto the ground. Oh, yeah. As long as I have a cup of coffee or cocoa, (laughs) I'm warm inside my house, and somebody else is coming to shovel or do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's part of emotional maturity in my way of thinking 
that while I'm going through a difficult situation, I leverage past experiences, past resolutions, the time that I've healed from the brokenness or was able to grow from it. I bring that into the new challenge. And there's a sense of, well, you called it delight. I think of it a quiet, I think of it as a quiet satisfaction. I think, um, yeah, yeah, a deep, a deep reflection of, of satisfaction or contentment. Yeah. I do like appreciation, delight. but yeah, delight. Um, okay. So in the midst of our listeners going through the beginning of this new year where COVID isn't relenting, right? We, we're, it's like a ball and chain relationship. Yep. We just keep dragging it in. We keep looking for yeah. the new year to be different. Yeah. And it's like so far, not, not so. I think you're it's, right. It's the same old, same old. How do we practice healthy emotion that allows us to navigate through difficult times? I think that it goes back to what we talked about. Feelings need to be identified. They need to be respected. Processed. Processed, put into perspective, experienced, verbalized. I'm sad this is happening. I'm glad I take delight in this. And... And that, you know, whether it's COVID or something else, this is a broken planet. Yeah. So I'm not sure that the expectation should be going, like when you said that, my first thought was really does the outside of the calendar changing from one year to the next, are any of them that real different? The people would like to believe so. I know. That with a new year comes a new life, a new lease. And I'm thinking, why wait till once a year? If something's going on in your life right now that you don't like, then seek help for change. But I look at it and I'm thinking, yeah, this is a marathon with COVID. It's bigger than what most of us have experienced in our lifetime because it's global. Um, And you need, to your point, to do good self-care, to be aware of these emotions and to mitigate against the relentless assault of what's happening in our culture. I need to take a break from time to time. Yep. That's important. It's a being a good steward of the whole system. Did I answer the question? You did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nope. I'll call it even. <laughs> nope. I, I like the conversation. Um, it's continuing to be on my mind. Um, yeah. This is not a one and done type of an exercise. So hopefully if you're listening, we've given you something to contemplate about and that you will find further insight as you think about process and understand emotions and feelings in your own life. Sounds like a plan. As always, if you can find a trusted ally, somebody who you can sit with and explore that, that's always an advantage, but you can also journal. Yes. You can also listen to other podcasts or sometimes watch a movie that shows the expression. Do some reading on. Like Inside Out. Yes. Good animated film that shows you the inside look at Riley's emotions. So, well, we hope that you are having a good start to the 2022 year. May this year bring you many opportunities to find mindful moments as life presents itself in delightful and maybe not so delightful ways. Thanks, Dr. Rob, for being my partner on this podcast. It's an honor. Blessings. Take care.